Oh, I love our family. What an amazing church family we have. I was I was just actually having a um, a bit of a tough time the other day. Just me and God. No one else would have known about it. Just you know, got a, an email that made me a little bit upset, and just <laughs> was processing a few things with the Lord and talking with the Lord and letting Him sort me out. And and uh, then I, I got a phone call, and it was Rebecca. And she says, Lord, just put you on my heart this morning. I don't know what's going on, but I just want you to know God really wants to encourage you. I'm not going to stay, but can I just drop past and I just want to give you some flowers because God wants to encourage you. I thought, oh, God. He's so lovely, isn't he? We have the opportunity just to be the aroma and the fragrance of Christ. Matty, where are you? Matt, where are you? Give me a wave. He just came and brought me a scripture about being imitators of Christ, Ephesians 5. And... You know, that it's so true. I want to encourage you. Read the Bible. It's good stuff. That whole chapter will do you good. Good stuff. The whole book. Look, I mean, just have Ephesians for dessert tonight. Oh, good stuff. The Spirit of God is breathing revelation in such extraordinary ways. Last night, I came home. I had um, cake and sugar. I don't normally have it that much and um oh, i was buzzing so like 3 a.m oh, but the spirit of god was speaking to me he actually downloaded a whole message between uh 2 30 and 3 30 last night i was when i woke up this morning i thought i wonder if it's actually going to be legible but it, it is hallelujah and um i'm just excited about the spirit of wisdom and revelation being poured out right now there is so much going on and the Lord is moving. I mean, as the world is in turmoil and, and panic and fear, just as Pastor James brought that word, what a powerful word. We have the privilege and the delight of living in the light, of bringing the hope, of being the answer. When you hear wars and rumors of wars, Matthew 24, don't be troubled. Don't be troubled. God's already got it. He'd already seen it. And he says, don't be troubled. We have a hope that others just don't have. We have the light of the world and we have the privilege of taking him out into the world. And these are the church's best days. It really is. This is our finest hour. Hallelujah. And it's the time to arise and shine. So I just really want to affirm that word. What a powerful word for the, uh, of the Lord for us right now. Arise, shine, for the light has come and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. Hallelujah. Take heart. Be encouraged. God is very, very, very for you. Hallelujah. As we were singing, he's a good, good father. I just, I, I, it undoes me all the time when I, I think about that as I begin to give thanks to the Lord. And I re remembered um, we were flying home, um, I think, from Israel last year. And all of a sudden, we were going through some circumstances and I suddenly started to get really fearful. And it, it started to overwhelm me. Very unusual for me. It's not something that would normally happen, but it would just hit me like a ton of bricks. I was just overwhelmed with fear and I was trying to read my Bible and trying to shake it off and it was just it was awful and then as we arrived in Zurich you know to catch the next plane to the next place I was walking up the gangplank and there's only one sort of advertisement there and it was right at eye level 
and there's this huge advertisement for um, investment banking, but you wouldn't have known it because all the words you could really see was, am I a good father? You know, it was, it was basically trying to, you know, uh, I, I guess trying to get to people to say, you know, we understand the big questions in life, you know, use us as investment bankers. I, who knows? But anyway, the Lord spoke to me in such a powerful way. Am I a good father? He's so patient. Even when you don't trust him, he stays faithful. It's so amazing to me. He's like, I'm still here. I'm still saying the same thing. So good. Our wonderful Jesus. He is so faithful. Let's pray. Father, you are a good father. You're so good. And we give you honor. We give you glory. We give you thanks. We say, Lord, there is none like you. Father, we need your help. Holy Spirit, we ask that you truly would enlighten the eyes of our understanding and the knowledge of him. Lord, we need your wisdom and revelation. We need your grace. We need your strength. We need your wisdom. And Lord, we want to know you. We need your breath to awaken us. Breathe on us. We thank you for life. We thank you for this glorious awakening that you're pouring out upon us. And we say, Lord, more, 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 more. Awaken us to righteousness. Awaken us to life. In Jesus' name I pray. Let everyone here, in, under the sound of my voice and listening, Lord, today, be supernaturally awakened by the power of your spirit to a new level of life and glory. In Jesus' mighty name I pray. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, I want to speak to you tonight about choosing life. I really believe the Holy Spirit is releasing such glory, such revelation that he's wanting us to recognize, wake up and recognize that he truly has set before us life and death. And he's told us, hey, choose life. If you have a look in Deuteronomy, hallelujah, chapter 30, verse 19, it says this, I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you that I have set before you life and death Blessing and cursing, therefore choose life, that both you and your descendants may live. Turn to your neighbor and say, choose life. Hallelujah. Well, I was thinking about this and I was thinking a, a little more about, I've been pondering on um, Galatians chapter 5. If you've got your Bibles, you could turn there with me. It's a wonderful book, the book of Galatians. Hallelujah. I'm going to read uh, from verse 13 of chapter 5, Galatians 5. It says this, For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself been talking a little bit about this and the importance of loving ourselves the way God loves us so that we actually can love other people. Hallelujah. If you don't actually love yourself, what hope does anyone around you have of experiencing the love of God? 
We've got to change our attitudes and our minds towards ourselves. We've, got, we've not allowed anymore as new believers, new creations in Christ, to view ourselves with a lens of what other people say about us, about what our history says about us. We must in faith, come into agreement with what God says, that as we've confessed our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That as new creations in Christ, we have been made clean. When we exchange our sin, we receive mercy. Therefore, you are holy and pure and righteous. It's more than just a, a positional idea. It's a reality we must believe. It's what the just living by faith is all about. We've actually got to come into agreement with what he says about us so that we can actually start to love ourselves. Feel, you're allowed to feel good about yourself. It's not arrogance. It's not pride. Seriously, if you are you know, anti-you, and you're judging yourself all the time and you're living in condemnation. You're always beating yourself up. If you're going to love other people the way that you love yourself, I would encourage you to become a hermit. Because it's not going to be very nice for anybody else. For life and life more abundant is that you might love one another and serve one another, loving one another as you love yourselves. You should be able to look in the mirror because of the blood of Jesus Christ, because of the grace of the cross. Look in the mirror and go, oh, I am clean. I am loved. I am adored. I am made whole as Christ is. So am I in this world. Oh, God, thank you for blessing the people I'm about to meet through me. We should be able to have such a holy, divine confidence because the Bible says the righteous are as bold as lions. Hallelujah. But the self-conscious, the condemned, the, the, uh, the people that are viewing themselves with a lens of you know, un unhappiness, they're not very bold and they're not very nice because no matter even how much they try, they're going to be colored in their view of other people. God wants to set you free. He's given you liberty so that you can love yourself. Amen. But if you bite and devour one another, beware lest you be consumed by one another. We've always got to remember what the fight's about, hey? We're not actually fighting flesh and blood. If you start getting caught up in a flesh and blood argument, flesh and blood fight, you need to be a bit like David. When Eliab started accusing him, saying, oh, I know why you're here. You're just proud. You've come down to see the battle. And David came down to visit his brothers, and the Goliath was threatening the armies. David was coming down fresh-eyed and saying, ha, oh, this is awesome. Who gets to take the giant out? And his brother started accusing him, going, who do you think you are? You, you're just proud. I know your heart. You've just come down to see the battle. You, you're talking like this. And David just didn't give it his time. He said, basically, what's, what's the problem? Who gets to take the giant out? He ignored it. Pretty much he didn't, he didn't engage, he didn't get involved in a fight. He didn't get involved in defending himself, saying, you're just jealous of me. You've always been jealous of me since Samuel anointed me. He never defended himself. He never even gave it his time because there is a fight that's worth having. 
And we've got to be careful that we don't get caught up in fights that are not worth your time. Hallelujah. But if you bite and devour one another, beware lest you be consumed by one another. I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Now, it's such an interesting passage, and I've been wrestling with it, been chewing on it and looking at it. I'm, I've been trying to understand, Lord, what is this where you keep saying against such there is no law? What is it, Lord? Because as we look at this, there's a, a big list here of don'ts. If you do this, do this, do this, do this, this is not the way of the kingdom. People who do this, this is not, they're not going to inherit the kingdom of God. And it's very easy. You could look at that and go, okay, I'm trying not to do that. I won't do that. And if your motivation for not wanting to do the wrong thing is simply your understanding of right and wrong, you could put yourself at a, a difficult position because we know when we read these things, okay, that's right, that's wrong. It's so good to read the Bible. But as I began to pray about this, as I began to look at this, I began to see a very clear picture here in this passage. And it's a picture, I believe, of the two trees. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil and the tree of life. We have a choice, hallelujah. When, when we are faced with temptation, and I was thinking about this, you know, what, what would it be like for somebody as they're in a situation and they've got peer pressure all around them to, to get drunk or they're in a, a, a situation in a relationship, passions are flying. You know, what is their motivation to say, no, I'm not going to do that? If it's simply based on my belief that's right and that's not that's wrong and, and I believe it because I believe in heaven and hell and I believe in right and wrong, that's a really good thing. But when the enemy starts whispering in your ears, if it's only a, a head belief system, then it is going to be on rocky ground. There is a chance that you're going to slip, that you're going to, to buy into the lie that really it's not that important and really not that relevant. The Bible says that a wise man builds his house upon the rock, but everything else is sinking sand. You know, sometimes I think if we don't understand our why, really know why we are doing this, why we are following God, if we don't actually know life himself, to choose life as a, as a choice, as a philosophy becomes something that gets harder and harder to do. 
Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Doing these things, choosing to do things, those sort of things, there is a way that seems right to man, the Bible says, but in the end it leads to death. So to choose not to do these things is to choose life. But if you are choosing life simply based on the knowledge of good and evil, you're probably going to stumble. But then I look here and it goes immediately on and it talks about the fruit of the spirit. Fruit comes from a tree. And it comes from the tree of life. It comes from us being rooted and grounded in the love of God. It comes from the reality that we have found the one who actually is life. You know, when I go to worship God, ever since I was converted, and I was converted in worship, ever since I've, my time with God is like drinking heavenly divine oxygen. It's my life source. I love that we sang tonight. It's your breath in our lungs because it means so much to me. It's true. You are my life. You are real. You are there. I'm not worshipping a philosophy. I'm not worshipping somebody I'm trying to believe in. I actually know you. I found you. He's like the pearl of great price. Just as we are his pearl of great price that he sold and, and gave up everything up for. He gave up the whole of the kingdom to gain you. You are the pearl of great price. In the same way, he is our pearl of great price. When we find him, <laughs> nothing else matters. It becomes real. Hallelujah. We get to begin to receive of the love of God and with the same love that he loves us, we suddenly, as people who have been joined and grafted into the tree of life, have access to this same love that would love like that and say, I'd give up, I'd give up everything for you. I'll lose my life to find you. Hallelujah. The Spirit of God actually empowers us to be new creations who draw out of a supernatural source that aren't like Peter was pre-crucifixion where he was saying, I'll do this, I'll do this, oh, I didn't do it. We are empowered now by the power of Jesus' death, the power of the Holy Spirit living on the inside of us, living upon us, now to draw not from our own strength, but from the very one who is the source of life. Ephesians 3 says, be rooted and grounded in love, that the Spirit of God would strengthen you with might in your inner being so that you could comprehend Christ dwelling in your heart through faith. That is, that it's no longer you who live, but Christ who lives in you, this one who makes you alive. Living on the inside of you, the Holy Spirit wants to give you fresh revelation of this reality Every moment of every day, Christ is living in me. I am in him. I'm not separate from him. I have been joined to him. Hallelujah. I've been made holy by the blood of the lamb so that I could be brought into a divine union where he and I become one. To the point that God uses the language, you are the body of Christ. You're not like the extra that he, you know, tries to get along with. You are actually completely joined to him now. 
You are joined to him. You now are drinking from the tree of life. And it's out of that place that we have power to truly choose, to truly choose life. Amen. You know, I think that religion without conversion is a very dry and miserable existence. If you're trying to do a good thing and trying to live a good life, you're probably just going to end up self-righteous. If you are any successful in any way, the fruit's going to be self-righteousness. If you're unsuccessful, the fruit's going to be condemnation and shame and guilt, and it's just miserable. But the truth is that when you actually experience a divine conversion where you go, oh, there you are, you are real, you are alive. And as you choose to continue to drink from the river of his pleasure for you, out of that place, the fruit of the spirit begins to manifest. As you abide, live in the vine. What is the vine? The vine is the tree of life. It's him himself. And in that place, we get to produce much fruit. Hallelujah. But we have to choose daily to fix our minds on him and to allow him to love us, allow him to feed us. We need to pull up through the, the being rooted and grounded in his love, drink up from the river of his pleasure for us and allow it to transform us from the inside out. The Bible says that if you seek him, you will find him if you seek him with all your heart. Now, the Father, I believe, is moving powerfully by his spirit all over the earth right now, causing people to seek him. And he will be found by them. Hallelujah. He will be found. And in being found, we then uh, need to learn what it is to live and to walk in this place of, I found the pearl of great price. I found the one who is life. And that is our why. That becomes our motivation. So that when you are uh, faced with a temptation, you suddenly have a completely different mindset. Have you ever seen somebody that's madly in love? Now, they do some crazy things. People have done some crazy things in the name of love. Whether it's been love or not, you know, they would like, you could take a mild-mannered normal person and suddenly nothing else matters because they've found love. And the problem, though, with human love is that People can fail you. People can let you down. People can disappoint you. Your feelings can wax and they can wane. And so your motivation, if you're motivated by love alone in human terms, it can be a bit of an unstable emotion. But if instead you are actually motivated by this one who is life, who is love, God's love doesn't wax, it doesn't wane, it doesn't uh, fade, it doesn't, he doesn't get offended and he doesn't let you down or disappoint. He is faithful and true and his love is so intense that he says you need supernatural help. You need to pray for supernatural help to handle the intensity of the love that I have for you. You know, you could be madly crazy in love and it doesn't even come close to the extent of the love that God has for you 
every minute of every day. It doesn't grow old or ordinary for him. Every time you come to worship, I'm here, Lord, here I am to worship. Oh, hoping I have an encounter. And God's there going, oh, I love you, come here, let me kiss you. Oh, I'm so happy to see you. Pray for strength so you can really know and experience how much I love you. And this love, as you find it, as you drink of it, this becomes the why. This becomes the, the power from which we can choose life. Amen. I think about it sometimes and I think, um, you know, these sins, it's clearly listed. If you do these things, you don't inherit the kingdom of God. But, you know, what about simple things like keeping off the grass when you see a sign posted by the council that says, don't walk on the grass, stay to the path. And you think to yourself, all right, you know, I think the grass is doing pretty good. I can uh, uh, think it's, you know, suffering there. And why shouldn't I just walk on the grass? These sort of simple little questions that we are faced with every day. Well, you know, you know, it says not to speed, but actually, you know, I, I don't think that's really justifiable in this area. And, you know, there's whatever justifications you might come up with. The Bible says that in, in Romans 13, that we're actually supposed to respect and honor and obey governing authorities. It's in the book. And so faced with those things and you come with, you know, there's a temptation. I just want to walk on the grass, a bit like Nemo wanting to touch the boat. You know, I'm just going to touch it. I'm going to touch it. Because he said, I can't, so I will. It's rebellion. But when you're, t when you're faced with a temptation, it doesn't seem like a big life or death thing. What's your motivation for choosing what's right? You know, if your motivation is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, well, I'm not going to do that because I'm religious and I'm right and I'm not going to do the wrong thing, then it's, you know, probably not going to stick. But if instead your motivation is, I found life, I found the one I love, and those who love you obey you, so it's not even a question. If I have to walk an extra 50 meters, it doesn't matter, I'll do it to the glory of God. Hallelujah. We're very quiet here. Look, I want to tell you, we have allowed so much of human and worldly thinking to creep in to the true and pure message of the kingdom of God. God wants us to be known by our love and our good deeds. Hallelujah. He wants us to be the aroma of Christ to those who are perishing. He's not looking for self-righteous goody-two-shoes. He is looking, though, for people who have just pure and simple found love and found life. Therefore, it's just normal that and supernatural that the fruit of the Spirit is going to manifest through me. Faced with a choice, I am going to choose life because I have found it and I will not let it go. 
faced with any choice that comes, if it's, and it, it looks, is this right or wrong? I'm going to choose right, not because that's, that's the right thing to do, but because I get to love God by pleasing him and honoring him and obeying him. Hallelujah. I don't do right to, in order to get his pleasure. I do right because I am in him and I have found life. And it is my good pleasure to obey him and enjoy him. Hallelujah. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 30. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. And he who wins souls is wise. I like that. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. It's just saying exactly this. That those that have been rooted and grounded in God those who have found life, found him, as opposed to just an idea, who have actually sought him and found him and then continue to seek him and continue to find him. They have been connected into the vine and they are living, rooted and established in him and they are producing much fruit. Hallelujah. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. It's, it's flowing from the tree of life and it is it's manifesting as a tree of life to everybody else around them. Hallelujah. It's showing others the life of Christ, hallelujah, by your righteousness that's not self-righteousness but is actually supernatural, hallelujah. Shokara Sunday. That song is an old, as a chorus, um, a recent chorus that's just bit, was going around in my head. I've tasted and seen of the sweetest of loves. And my heart becomes clean and my shame is undone. Your presence, Lord. And you know, that's it. That's the truth, isn't it? I've tasted. Sometimes we go and we pray and, um, or we go and have a wonderful worship time. Or you might come out on a Tuesday night to prayer and we have a beautiful time praying in the spirit. And, you know, I remember over the years where I'd have a really wonderful time with the Lord, get alone with God in my room, have a wonderful time with God, talk to him. He'd touch me and make me cry and, and minister to my heart and heal me or he'd speak to me through the word. And I'd have this beautiful time with the Lord. And I'd think to myself, why don't I just do that all the time? You see, it's because when you taste it, you go, oh, that's what I'm living for. That's what I really want. I think it's so good for us to ask the question, what does my spirit really want? To have as a guideline, as a, as a goal for our life all the time, to line every decision we make up, uh, make, make those decisions based on these questions. What does my spirit really want? And the answer is, you want his presence. Because in his presence, there is fullness of joy. As you taste and see, you discover life. Ah, you're the one who makes me come alive. Yes, that's right. In your light, I see light. Ah, remember, you're all I want. You're all I've ever needed. Do you know that feeling? When you suddenly remember, ah, that's right, ah, I surrender all. He 
because it resonates in your heart. The voice of heaven speaks and the strings on the inside of your heart resonate with the sound of his voice. If you've ever been in a room and you've um, perhaps the, the drum kit has not been flipped and the, the snare drum is still rattling, there's sound and the snare will rattle without anybody touching it because of the, the, the vibrations. Or if you have a, a, a cello or a violin close by, you can speak and make sound and those strings just start to vibrate without anybody touching them. They, they resonate with sound. And it's the same way when you get in the presence of the Lord as a born-again believer, your heartstrings resonate. They go, oh, that's right. I remember this is what makes me come alive. <laughs> You're all I want. You're all I've ever needed. Give me a wave if you know that to be true. <gasps> you make me come alive. Well, it's drawing on that, remembering that, living in that place, deliberately feeding it, watering it, that you actually cultivate the tree of life manifesting in you and through you. You, you, you draw of the very power that empowers you to choose life. Instead of choosing to react in a fleshy manner or react according to old patterns or old habits as you are deliberately choosing, what do I want? What does my spirit want? Oh, that's right. <laughs> I just want to love God. I want to be loved by God. Then everything else becomes a very simple choice. Hallelujah. And, you know, in that place too, I like to ask, why, why do I do what I do? Why do I, why do, I do this? And you know, the reality is, oh God, it's because I love you and I love your presence and I, I'm joined to you and I want to see people come to the saving knowledge of Jesus. I want to see souls saved. It is my mission. I'm born and created to be a minister of reconciliation that other people could come alive and start to resonate with the music of heaven. And whether you're called to fivefold ministry or not, if you are a believer, you are called to the ministry of reconciliation. It will make your, the strings of your heart resonate like nothing else, I tell you what. The joy of knowing how much you have touched the Father's heart or even having a little idea of how joyful the Father is when somebody is reconciled to him, somebody comes alive, when you get to drink of his life and then give his life, ah, there's nothing like it. And if you line everything you do, all the temptations that come with those two questions, it becomes quite simple. If you start getting caught up in selfish ambition or envy, that they're real temptations that come. And they're serious, it says here in Galatians 5. But if you've got that coming against you, you can come back to, I'm choosing life. What does life look like? Ah, oh, presence of God. You are my why. <laughs> and what's my mission? Ah, oh, my delight and my privilege is to love you and to love others. And so where does this worry about selfish ambition and envy, where does that fit into this? 
it becomes so distasteful and so irrelevant and so tiny and so small that you go, oh, I can't even believe it was a temptation. But if we just muddle through life and we're not clear about our, basically our vision and our mission, you're my vision. You're my vision and I get to take you out into the world and that's my mission. Hallelujah. I get to love people. Then everything else starts to fall into place. You get to start to see things much more clearly. Hallelujah. In his light, we see light. It means that when I get up in the morning and I get to love on my family or, or spend some time with my family, I, I can look at it through the light of... My delight is in him. All of my affirmation and my joy and my life is found in him. And I am born to love them. This is actually a divine mission. To smile at them and help them experience life and love and joy and peace. And to love them completely unselfishly because I can. Because I've been delivered from me. Hallelujah. It's no longer me who lives or Christ who lives in me. I actually get to walk a life that is abundant. Hallelujah. I think about the Moravians sometimes, and they had this call you know, to bring to Christ the reward of his suffering. That was their, their, their mission statement. And I think about that, and, I, and I've been reading recently about John Wesley and how he was out on his mission, you know, trying to do the right thing with the knowledge of good and evil. And then a storm came, and he saw the behavior of these Moravians, how they would just worship and love and praise God and have so much peace and so much joy in the midst of facing death right there on the boat. He said, I don't have what they have. And when he got off the boat, he went and sought out the Moravians. And he, it, it led to him actually being converted. Where he came to the place of, oh. he'd been preaching, he'd been um, doing so much. And yet he hadn't yet found life itself, the thing that made his heart actually sing. He believed, he knew what was right and wrong, and he wanted to do the right thing. He absolutely believed in the existence of God. But there is something that goes beyond a head knowledge. It is called divine life. It is supernatural life that the Holy Spirit wants to quicken on the inside of you so that you know that you know that you know your Redeemer lives. Hallelujah. My Redeemer lives. Now, when you're faced with temptations this week, I want to encourage you to choose life. Not based on a religious idea of I'm doing this because it's the right thing. I'm doing this. I get to do this because I'm in love with God. Hallelujah. Out of my love relationship with him, this is my choice. I'm not doing this and, and, and living a life of religious ritual. I'm not under the law. And this is the beauty of this passage. He says, against such there is no law. 
The fruit of the Spirit is in a completely different realm to the knowledge of good and evil and life under the law, do's and don'ts. It's not even in the same category. It's a new covenant. Hallelujah. We're no longer living out of a place of the law where it's do the right thing, do, not do the wrong thing. We come into a place where we're not actually even citizens of the earth anymore. We are citizens of heaven, aliens here, producing divine supernatural fruit and just getting to love everybody else who doesn't yet know the way and the truth and the life. Against such, there is no law. That means you can't even be judged. Hallelujah. Because of the goodness of God, our magnificent Jesus. <laughs>